coming up, it's episode two of Desert League. I'm Ward Andrews, and with Sean Fitzpatrick, we're breaking down Arizona sports. You can follow our podcast on iTunes or download the Anchor app and search Desert League. You can ask questions in the Anchor app, and we'll respond during the show. All right, we're ready to start Desert League, Episode 2. I'm Ward Andrews, and I'm here with Sean Fitzpatrick. How are you doing this morning, Sean? I'm doing great at the Desert League South Bureau. How are you? Doing well. So for our listeners' information, Sean's based out of Tucson. I'm based out of the Phoenix area. So we get a good handle on what's going on uh, above and below the line. So, Sean, let's just jump right into some Tucson sports action. Zona hoops. Everyone said Arizona would be preseason number one. And then Marvin Bagley, who went to Corona Del Sol High School in Tempe, he reclassified as a 2018. He's with Duke now. Everyone's saying Duke preseason number one. Uh, What do you think about that move and how that might impact Arizona basketball? Oh, I I love – I love preseason predictions. It it gives it gives us all something to talk about before anything actually happens. I think um it would be interesting to go back and look at all of the you know, the preseason prognostications in the past and how many of those actually pan out. Uh I actually get more nervous uh anytime Arizona, especially in basketball, is listed as number one um in anything. If you think about it, the one the one constant we have every year is we're always going to have a group of 18 to 21 year olds. And it doesn't matter how good you are. Um, you're going to, you're going to go through growing pains and it's, there's always intangibles that come into play um, beyond just talent. So um, I'm not, you know, I'm not too concerned one way or the other uh, with anything that happens as far as a preseason prediction. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I actually like it. There was a lot of hype for Arizona and sometimes these kids, like you say, you know, the 18 to 20 year old kids, they, they can start to believe their own hype. And now they've got, and while they still may be the best team uh, headed into the season, now they've got everybody talking about Duke. So now they've got something to prove. I think it's a good thing for Arizona basketball. Yeah. It's always great to have that, you know, that chip on your shoulder as you're going into it. And, uh, you know the the interesting thing is the more the more of these uh, kind of Phoenix uh, Duke connections uh, we have floating around out there, the more interesting it makes this uh, this Arizona Arizona State basketball rivalry. You know, with Bobby Hurley being at the helm, it's it's kind of fun actually. Yeah, oh, I love it, and, and you know the best thing I love about it though is that Sean Miller doesn't lose to Duke, like he just beats Duke. You know, so I'm sure that Dukies, Dukies, uh, they aren't aren't big Arizona fans, but Sean Miller, he just wins. You know, um, but yeah. this other thing about preseason and and how do you, and it's all hype. One thing I like is Arizona did go over to Spain. Uh, they played a couple games. There's some bonding over there. There actually was a terrorist attack over there that was really close to their hotel a couple of days ago, and I think Arizona made the right decision. They immediately pulled everybody and got out of there. And um, you know, I I I don't know. I, I I'm glad they went on the trip. I'm sorry it ended that way. Um, 
just for the people yeah. of Spain and for that situation in Barcelona. Um, I'm sure that that for a young kid's mind, that's probably an interesting situation to have to deal with outside of basketball, just in life. Yeah, it's, um, you know, going into that trip, Sean Miller had been really outspoken that the real reason, you know, to, to make that exhibition tour was more around life lessons and bonding. And of course, you know, nobody wants to uh, kind of go through the bonding and life lesson, you know, as a result of, of these horrible terrorist attacks. And obviously, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to, you know, all the people who, uh, the families and the people who were killed in the attacks. And, and it was really scary for, uh, you know, more than just Arizona basketball, obviously everyone around there, but, uh, you know, there were a couple of other uh, college basketball teams that were even closer, um, you know, to the violence than Arizona was. But, you know, to your point, um, you know, I, I have no doubt that, um, you know, it, they're really getting kind of a, a somber assessment of the things that are more important than just basketball. And uh, I'm sure, you know, it's really brought them closer together. And, and really the, the number one thing is, you know, thank God nobody, uh, you know, nobody from any of the teams or, you know, uh, was injured or, or killed in the attacks. Obviously it was horrible. And uh, it, it was absolutely the right decision to just go ahead and cancel and, especially because there, you know, there was still unrest even after, after the attack. So I think it's good, you know, just keep everybody safe, um, you know, get them back. And, you know, what was, what was great is those, the two exhibition games that they had were pretty impressive by any standard. You know, if you, if you look at some, you know, yeah. some, uh, you know, a new team that's going out there and to just go out and just completely dominate uh, you know, some grown men who play professional basketball yeah. is pretty impressive. I agree. You know, there was a highlight from that second game where Alonzo Trier, he was uh, on a fast break. There was a guy in front of him, contested him for the shot. Trier rose up above him, dunked on him, and then had to step over him after he dunked on them to get away from him. And, of course, all the fans across the Internet universe created these great animated GIFs of uh, Alonzo stepping over this guy over and over again. So <laughs> I thought that was, uh, that was interesting. Uh, Trier well, definitely is coming into the season with an attitude. There's a lot of hype for the freshman. But Trier, you know, he's the junior who didn't go pro, who came back. And I'm expecting what? 20 and 10 a night from him. Oh, absolutely. And and I think one thing that um you know, maybe hasn't been mentioned enough is is how much uh you know Arizona Wildcat basketball fans owe to uh both Sean Miller and Lorenzo Romar uh you know the the impact of having Romar on the Arizona Wildcats coaching staff and and having Alonzo Trier stick around to play some more ball because you know he stated that 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 was definitely a factor, and I think it's it's going to benefit him, you know, getting that experience. And the other big benefit is, you know, just seeing the impact of DeAndre, you know, on the inside, and just how much more it opens up, you know, for Alonzo. Uh, yeah. yeah, and, you know, I love this Lorenzo Romar on the bench for Arizona. I mean, as a Pac-12 fan and seeing all the years of all the games against – Romar and now to have him on our side on our bench helping our team it's that is just gold 
I, that is yeah. for Miller. And it, and also for uh, Lorenzo Romar to be a little humble and say, hey, I'm going to just step back and be an assistant in an amazing program. But I, I, I am curious because I know that Romar's teams like to push the ball on offense. And I feel like Arizona is rebounding and immediately outletting every time. And I don't know if that's just because it's exhibition or if it's Romar or if it's a new strategy from Miller who typically – kind of like to run the offense and kill clock, but man, they are playing up tempo right now. It is exciting to watch in these exhibition games. Yeah. And, that, and that's a good point because I think that's a big lesson learned from, from last year. We, we had so many frustrating, you know, moments. Uh, they, obviously it was a tough year waiting for Alonzo Trier to be eligible again and come back, but th- there were so many times when the ball was just going from side to side you're just, you know, yelling at the TV screen or you're, you're in McHale Center just yelling, drive, drive, just penetrate. And so, yeah, I think getting more up-tempo, getting more aggressive is, is a good thing for Arizona. Yeah, when you've got guys like this team has, I mean, when your center could be one of the fastest guys down the floor, you have to push the ball. And I think the light bulb went on in that crazy game last year, the first game back for Trier, in Pauley Pavilion, where, you know, UCLA, they're going to push, especially when they had Lonzo Ball, they're going to push the ball. And, and Arizona got up in that tempo, and we, we blew away that UCLA team in Pauley with our speed and with our breakaways. And, and I think maybe, maybe the light bulb went on to Miller, you know, as he had time to reflect in the offseason that, you know, my teams can still play pack line on D, but why not open it up? because oh, we've got the thoroughbreds. Yeah. We've got the elite athletes in skill positions. And I'm excited. Yeah, about you, yeah, you got you to gotta reward the big men for running the floor. So, you know, let's get DeAndre up up and down running the floor, and maybe uh, maybe Dusan will, will see that and go, hey, I want to run too. I want to get in yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I, we had a question from one of our listeners, and I wanted to touch on this because we didn't cover it in the first episode. But when we're talking about Arizona sports, um, Steve mentioned to us that, hey, what about GCU? What about Dan Marley coaching that team? What about the money that's behind a private school that's now D1? Colangelo's involved. What do you think about the emergence of GCU? I I love it. I mean, any time you can turn, um, you know, an in-state um, – what it almost amounts to an exhibition game at times, you know, into something that's interesting and competitive. Um, I think it's great. And I, I really applaud GCU for uh, really putting a lot of resources into improving, you know, the program. And, you know, you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody better from a brand perspective and also, you know, an ability perspective than, you know, than the magic man. Right. Um so, yeah, I think, uh, hey, I'd, I'd love to see the Lopes running. Yep. Yep, I think it's it's true. I, I know that GCU was also over there in Barcelona, uh, and so they they came back. But there's a there's going to be a game up in Phoenix um, later this year, and Arizona is going to play Texas A&M in Phoenix mm-hmm. at the, uh, I don't know, they keep renaming the arena. It's currently called the talking stick resort arena i believe the mm-hmm. esra or whatever and uh and gcu is also going to play 
in a game after their game that same night. So I think they're going to play St. John's. I'll have to check on that. But I think that's cool that there's a doubleheader up in Phoenix, Arizona, Texas A&M, followed by GCU, St. John's. I'm looking forward to that night. It'll be really good. You know, and it's 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 interesting because um, that that whole Grand Canyon scenario and, and what you're describing it it really reminds me of um, at least the uh, the old days of uh, of the Maui Invitational, uh, which has always been hosted by Chaminade University, and I I used to go out and and work that tournament in Maui. But what was great, and and I, until you said it just now, I didn't I didn't realize it. But Grand Canyon gives me a lot of those same Chaminade uh, vibe, which is you know this this scrappy little private school that can play with anybody, and if if you get them in the right kind of marketing context, and they can really benefit, for example, from Arizona Arizona State basketball. And the proximity, um, obviously, the big attraction for Chaminade is you, you get to coax some you know, teams to come out to paradise. But if Grand Canyon can kind of like work a similar type of thing where there's an attractive scenario that they can, they can play you know, some of the top teams and continue yep. to do that, that's great for recruiting because then you can tell a, a recruit, hey, I guarantee you, you're going to be on a nationally televised you know, game or regionally televised, or you're going to play some of the best people in the country at least once or twice a year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last year, I mean, they don't back down. Similar to how we were mentioning that ASU and Arizona don't back down in their schedule. GCU doesn't back down. They uh, they played Louisville last year. Um, they're going to play. And, you know, Patino had a lot of great things to say. Louisville went to GCU and, um, and that student section is big time. It's really fun. Smaller arena, crazy student section, really good atmosphere. And, uh, and Patino had a lot of great things to say. And I even think Louisville was down by a point at halftime to GCU. I mean, yeah, and, and, game. No. yeah, absolutely. There's something to be said about the, the smaller schools and, and kind of being closer to what the NCAA has always, you know, tried to, present as the pure, you know, student athlete experience. And it's always good when you can see those schools, uh, you know, have some success and, and kind of keep everybody else centered into what this is supposed to be about. Yeah. Yeah. Another great thing for GCU is Casey Benson, who was playing for Oregon last year. Uh, he's transferred to GCU. Uh, makes a lot of sense for him. He'll be the starting point guard. He's yet another one of these Phoenix area products came out of Corona del Sol played for power basketball in the club scene. And now he's coming back to Phoenix. He'll be the starting point guard for Dan Marley at GCU. It's going to be a great opportunity for him. He's a great point guard, but he also plays really well off the ball. He's a good shooter. Should be another piece of the puzzle there for GCU. Oh, look at you all up on the GCU hoops uh, information. You've, you've got me. You score one for Ward. <laughs> yep. So uh Arizona, let's just round out college hoops in Arizona, Arizona State. Um I haven't really heard a whole lot. I don't know what to look forward to from Bobby. I just expect the general talent level to continue to rise there, but I haven't heard a buzz really. I, I, Sean, how about you one up me on on Sun Devil hoops? I 
I honestly can't can't one up you on Sun Devil hoops uh, right now. I I literally you know just kind of heard crickets, and you know if if anything, I think uh, you know Sun Devil fans should be uh, getting kind of excited about ASU football because even though yeah, even though the football team is is scheduled to compete with uh, with Arizona for last in the in the Pac-12 South. Um, there's, there's a lot more upside for Arizona state football than Arizona football. So that might be the thing to focus on for ASU fans. Notice my pivot away from ASU basketball. No, that sounds good. You know, the only buzz I've heard out about of ASU and it comes to hoops is that some, some kids at ASU had built a robot that teaches itself how to shoot hoops. So maybe maybe they're just looking to the future and they're they're looking to uh, you know the deep future and maybe they're just they're saying we're going to throw in the towel on human basketball and we're just going to start working on on the future of basketball. I don't know. But, well, there uh, you go. You know, you, you're you're seeing more of those robot games and the drone games on on ESPN. So uh, you know, may, maybe ASU will will uh, really you know form a really good robot uh, basketball shooting team and. And uh, they'll air it like one or two in the morning on uh, ESPN five or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, let's move over to college football. I mean, college football season is coming up. I think our next podcast is going to be heavy and deep into college basketball or college football. But let's let's start going that way. I mean, now you and I were talking about maybe. 10 freshmen might play for Arizona. Richrod comes out in the media and says 20 freshmen might play. Uh, the word from, from camp is that, yeah, a lot of these freshmen are actually higher on the depth chart than guys from last season. What are you hearing about this, Sean? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing freshmen, freshmen, freshmen. And you never know with Richrod, like, how much of this is motivation for you know, the guys who are there, I mean, if you think about it, last year was a pretty tough, you know, emotionally, psychologically uh, for, you know, the Arizona Wildcats on the football side. And then, you know, you've got uh, folks leaving, you've got commits, you know, going wholesale to Oregon, whatnot. But, you know, I think it says a lot, hopefully it says a lot that, that the freshmen are really performing and that it's not saying a lot that uh, it's because the returners are not <laughs> are not performing in training camp, but, um, you know, the, the, the biggest worry I, I have when you're talking about so many freshmen on either side is, uh, especially on defense is, is just getting those deep burns, you know, from an experience from a bad read. And, you know, and I, I just got the email from, uh, the U of A athletics department that my, you know, my credentials for the stat crew are ready to be picked up and, I need to go nice. get, you know, my, my parking pass and all that. And, and I just, you know, wake up at night every once in a while now as, as kickoff from opening day gets closer, uh, you know, with a dream of opposing quarterback, you know, lofting a, what should have been a 10 or 15 yard completion, you know, that's like a 80 yard touchdown pass burning your secondary, you know? Oh yeah. That's a, that's how it works. But you know, with you on the stat crew, and Rich Rod's floating the idea of 20 freshmen. You better be up on that roster because there's going to be a lot of new names and numbers and faces that you're going to have to manage. Yeah, and it's um, and that's always the challenge because the uh, the stat program that we use is uh, I'll geek out for a second is literally a DOS program that they've 
yeah, that, that they have in, you know, in kind of a web interface. And anytime you have to key, you know, it's, it's very much like a, uh, like an old school, like, you know, go to this screen, go to this, you know, tab over here and do this thing. And you have to have DOS running in order to make it happen. And anytime you have to kind of rotate in different players, it becomes a huge challenge. It's, it's much easier when, you know, you have the same quarterback and you have the same running back, but, you know, once you start shifting things up, suddenly you're doing alt shift and, you know, control F6 and doing all this stuff. So I think uh, Arizona may be giving uh, statisticians around the Pac-12 some fits this year with all of the, the personnel, you know, shuttling in and out. Yep. Yep. And with all those freshmen uh, and, you know, Rich Rod system, there's going to be, there's a whole bunch different language. There's a whole bunch of packages. They're running at a fast pace. Uh, it'll be interesting. So good luck. Pack 12 stack crews. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, but again, going, going back, to, and I know that we, we had a criticism that we were too, uh, Arizona Wildcats focused in our first episode. So um, I did make it my duty to, to go and just, you know, get a little rundown on Arizona State football. And it, it looks like offensively Arizona State, you know, could be, uh, you know, providing some, some fun for ASU fans this year at least. Nice. Tell me more. Who's, who's even the quarterback and, and what's, what's the game plan? Well, it, uh, what what seems to be um, the biggest bright spot is more at, at running back. It looks like ASU is going to you know have a good running game. So, if you've got some good running backs, you really only need um, you know you only need a little bit of a passing game to open that up and you know and let them run wild. Um, you know, as far as individual personnel, I I'm not uh, I'm not quite as up on the individual ASU players, but I promise our, our ASU listeners, I will, I will work harder on that. This is, you know, this is part of my reaching out to the other side activity. Oh, I'm doing is to actually, so nice. you know, <laughs> it, I'm just, I'm going to try really hard to be aware of who the players are uh, on the ASU football side, you know, before, uh, before we beat ASU in the uh, territorial cup again. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like for ASU, I agree. I hear the running game could be good. Um, They also, I mean, we're looking at, so here's a name for you, Kalen Ballage. I think he's number nine. He's going to be a freshman. And uh, he's a 6'3". He's a big guy, 215. And, um, you know, I I hear he's fast and uh, should fit well with what Todd Graham likes to do. Uh, But it sounds like they will have two running backs, Kalen being one of them. And then – the other one, I believe, is uh, Richard, Demario Richard. So I think that's their starting backfield and uh, should be a focus of the offense. He's also a freshman, but he's a little guy. He's kind of like the kind of guys that Rich Rod would uh, recruit. I think he's a 5'10 freshman. Uh, so a little speed demon in the back there, Demario Richard. Yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to see how, you know, speed versus force plays out in general in the Pac-12 and in college football because, you know, when you look at – you made reference to, you know, speed dem- demon, the kind that Rich Rod usually likes. You know, there, there are so many teams that are doing what Rich Rod started um, so much better. You know, you kind of wonder if there's going to be a pivot away from kind of that, you know, hurry up, let's let's keep the offense running, let's – 
you know, let's spread the field, let's let's do that. Um, I mean, I think Arizona is going to have to do that by by necessity. I don't know if you think ASU is going to have to kind of do the speed game, or if they've got, you know, if they've got as a, you know, um, you know, as they used to say, the big uglies up on the front line, uh, you know, making a path for them. Is that is that going to be kind of a speed game for ASU, or are they going to be able to <laughs> knock some people over? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I was uh, I was looking up while you were talking. I was just looking up ASU's roster to take get another look. And what was interesting was uh, I had thought that both those backs were freshmen, but on ASU's uh, official site they say both of those running backs are seniors. So it just goes to show we don't know what we're talking about when it comes to Arizona football, Arizona State football. We're gonna have to <laughs> we have to get our game together. But it's also funny because uh, I think uh, there's different sites out there that don't know either because I had read that those guys were freshmen on another site earlier. So I think everybody's a little mystified as to what's going on. Well, and yeah, yeah. All all the preseason, you know, predictions and all that, it's it's just a fun way to occupy time while we're waiting for, you know, the very first kickoff. I just, you know, I just want to see, you know, I just want to see an actual game in the books where something's on the line and, and make judgments from that because you, you really can't tell anything from training camp. I mean, I used to, <laughs> when I, when I worked at the athletic department, I used to go with, you know, Dick Tomey and the team down to camp Cochise. And, you know, there was always this, you know, always this hype around this or that that happened in training camp. And the moment it gets teed up on opening night, it's like all of that is gone. And I mean, yep. the big, the biggest thing that ever happened in training camp for me was the wiffle ball games we had in the gym, you know, when, <laughs> when we were getting rained out by monsoon. So, I mean, yeah. you know, not even take it with a grain of salt, take it with a whole shaker of salt. And I think, I think we should make a note of, you know, when we get to the end of the, the college football season and look back at the Pac-12 to pull, pull up those preseason, you know, predictions from the Pac-12 media and see how well they pan out. Because that's something you never see. I love the fact that I almost never see people going back and looking at the preseason predictions and and going and holding people accountable. Or maybe it's a little scary because then people would actually pay less attention to preseason predictions. Yeah, I think it's an unspoken rule. Everybody knows that preseason is just hype, and uh, and then it just gets uh, tossed in the trash as soon as the season starts. Uh, you know, interesting how you talked about wiffle ball. Let's let's switch to baseball for a minute. There was an interesting ASU U of A thing that happened this week uh, related to the D-backs. Uh, yeah, what was that about? I I, I could yeah. not figure out what you were sending me, and I'm like, okay, yeah. this is weird. I want to hear more <laughs> I about this. It out. I couldn't figure it out either, but uh, we finally got to the bottom of it thanks to the D-backs uh, social media team. So Shane Dale, and he's uh, the sports reporter for ABC 15 in Phoenix, he uh, was looking at these T-shirts that the D-backs have created. Uh, there must be like a college sports night or something this season for the D-backs. And so, or maybe there's an ASU night and then there's a U of A night. And so the D-backs had created these T-shirts for, the, uh, for that. And one T-shirt shows D-backs, but it's in sort of ASU maroon and gold. And then it shows... Um, it also shows the uh, Sun Devil pitchfork um, Triton thing. Yeah. And then there's a U of A shirt 
but it, it says the backs in red and white and blue. But instead of having the U of A logo there where the ASU logo is, they just have a baseball sitting there. And then on the back of the shirt, it has the Arizona A, Block A logo. And so Shane was like, what's the deal? Why is ASU on the front of the shirt and U of A logo is relegated to the back? Right. And that kind of sparked this whole Twitter storm where the speculation was running wild. Everything from, you know, D-backs and, and, and ASU have a better relationship to, you know, Arizona. They're kind of a higher caliber team, and, and so they don't want their logo associated too closely with the D-backs. Anyway, so the D-backs <laughs> tweeted, out, tweeted out the answer. The D-backs replied saying that U of A had requested to not have both organizations' logos, D-backs and Arizona, next to each other. So because of that, the D-backs had it placed on the back of the shirt instead. And then we get into our design moment of the podcast, which always seems to come up. You know, there's probably a brand standards guide that says yep. that you don't put two corporate logos in certain proximity or whatever. But uh, honestly, Arizona and the trademark and, and the logo police at U of A, they're missing the mark on this one. Oh, well, is that Literally. pun intended? Is that pun intended? That's, yeah. that's a good one. I, I like that. No, I, I will. Now, now that you've explained it, um, it makes a lot more sense. And having worked within the athletics department, I, I had to deal with um, this type of scenario on a regular basis. And I have to say, in the experience I've had, like, it, not just like within intercollegiate athletics, but just in the business world, it it does seem like the University of Arizona has the most stringent requirements regarding, you know, logo and brand. And I mean, I know yep. that there's one issue, which is, you know, people who are not registered using, you know, the logo, but the other, the other situation was anytime, you know, we were working with a partner and we had to use, and, and this is not an athletic department thing. This is, this is like university of Arizona. And when you, talk about the term anal retentive, it's, it's, you know, you do not deviate from those brand guidelines. And I'm sure that's the case where they said, there is no way, even if it makes perfect sense that we're going to put the U of A logo in the same proximity with any other logo. Yep. And it's just missing the mark because in 2017 in modern culture, everything's about putting two brands together and adding more value. You see it everywhere. You even see the Suns working with uh, with local apparel designers like Hello and like 48 State, where they're doing co-branded stuff so that both fan bases get together and celebrate their brands being together. And that's really what this should be. And by relegating the logo to the back, it just takes all the power away from that mashup. And you see this in music. I mean, everything now is so-and-so. It's, a, it's their track and they're featuring this other artist with them. Like that's right. Just, that's just modern culture. It's building on top of success. I mean, you look at how Disney is like mixing in Star Wars with other things at Disneyland. It's happening everywhere. And for uh, Arizona to stick to an old school 1990s view of their brand and their logo is, is pretty short-sighted and it's unfortunate to see that. No, it's it's a really good point because that that is where everything you know in our society has moved toward, which is you keep the essence of the brand intact, but you 
but it can coexist in the same space with another brand. And you know, the bottom line is if you're not, if you're not collaborating with somebody who shares your same value or, or is you know, trying to convey the same value, then you really shouldn't be doing this at all. And, you know, in your example with music, you don't do a collaboration that's going to work with somebody, you know, who doesn't fit with the genre. And it's really just about, you know, kind of bringing the best from both those, those worlds together and finding out, okay, what makes that blend? And I think visually that's a good point is you get the two design teams working together and have some flexibility to say, how, how can we make this look good and not, you know, with no apologies to NASCAR, um, you know, not make it look like you've just NASCAR'd up the, you know, because, and you know this from having done a lot of t-shirts, it's like, um, you can have like the biggest fans of a brand, but if the t-shirt's ugly, nobody's going to want to wear it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think the D-backs did a great thing. They invited these other teams and brands to be a part of what they're doing. I think the D-backs also did a great job of explaining it cleanly through social media where the issue was raised. So kudos to the D-backs for how they handled uh, that scenario in both cases. And and speaking of the D-backs, here's the D-backs having an amazing season, 67 wins already. And they just happen to be in the division where you've got a team in the L.A. Dodgers that are already at 86 wins. They're on a, Dodgers are on a five-game winning streak. They've won eight of the last ten games. Arizona's playing great baseball, and they are 20 games back from the Dodgers. Well, well let, let's not let the D-backs off too lightly because recently they are not, you know, they're not playing as well as they were. And, you know, we're starting to see signs that the grind of the season is getting to them. And so, you know, there's, yep. there's a lot of concern that, I mean, um, in, in just looking at, you know, the, I think over the last 12 games, I think they're like five and seven. Um, yeah, it's not good. Over the last 10, they're three and seven. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. I was just, I was just looking that up right now. They're three. The the only thing that uh, the Diamondbacks have going for them is that the Rockies are four and six over the last 10. So, yep. yeah, haven't lost any ground. And if you look at the rest of the the National League, uh, you got to keep an eye on the Cardinals and the Brewers, but. Um, you know, if they can kind of right the ship. And, you know, they they, they just did this, uh, you know, had an exciting game against uh, against the Astros where they pulled one out and, and uh, you know, did really well. And um, But, you know, they've really got to really pick up the pace at this point. I mean, this is the time of the year where it's, it's not going to get any easier. They're going to be playing the Dodgers a whole bunch coming up. They're going to be playing the Rockies. And uh, there's really no margin for error. If, and – at this point, you know, and it was, it's been pointed out in the press that this was supposed to be a rebuilding season for the D-backs. So if they can get into the playoffs by any means, even if they just have a cup of coffee in the playoffs, it'll have been a really successful season. Yep. Yep, that's good. You know, one thing that I didn't understand about Major League Baseball, and maybe this is a change, um, and that I maybe this is new, so clarify for me, Sean, but when I was looking up wild card and I was like, is Arizona going to beat out Colorado for that wild card? Um, the way it was explained on MLB.com, the top two wild card teams from each league, regardless of division, will play each other in a playoff. And then 
then there's one wild card, which I didn't know about. Oh, um, sounds like Arizona and Colorado are both technically in right now, but they would have a one game playoff to be the wild card team. Did you know that? I did not know that. That is, um, that is pretty bizarre. I I suppose I should know that, but, um, yeah. Is that new? As far as I know. Yeah. As far as I think, um, What's telling is when your team hasn't been in the playoffs for a little while, I guess you could be forgiven <laughs> for not knowing, you know, what the rules are. It's kind of like if you haven't played an overtime game in, in professional football, not knowing what the overtime rules are. But exactly. um, Yeah, so that could be interesting come end of season. Man, I there, there's still that purist in me that, uh, you know, goes back to – uh, the pre you know pre wild card kind of uh, setup where you know baseball was baseball, but you know I have to say that the wild card has made has made baseball a lot more exciting. And you know if we were in the old the old rules, you know at this point we wouldn't even be talking about Diamondbacks baseball because the Dodgers are so far ahead they could completely you know just they could completely punt on the rest of the regular season and still you know, go in at the, in, at the top spot. So it yep. is, it is nice to have those rules so that we can actually even care that the diamondbacks have a chance to get into the playoffs. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's switch over to the Cardinals. Cardinal season starts soon. And my question is, Sean, I mean, will Carson Palmer ever lead the Cardinals to a Super Bowl? No. Next question. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's definitive. <laughs> Okay. No. So will I mean, any current Cardinals quarterback on the roster lead the Cardinals to a Super Bowl? I I just don't see that, and and my heart goes out to Larry Fitzgerald, not just because we share Fitz in our name, but um, <laughs> you know, you, it it just kills you to see, you know, a Hall of Famer uh, like him just have to suffer <laughs> the way he does, and he he really deserves to and. And you can't you can't necessarily put it all on Carson Palmer and, and frankly any any uh, Cardinals quarterback because it, it comes down to that offensive line and and you know and Arian's uh, style of offense you know you've got the five step drop and so you really need to be able to protect the quarterback and that's you know that's a big question mark going into the season is are they going to be able to to protect whoever's in the pocket there. Agreed. They've got a preseason game tonight, uh, 7 o'clock Arizona time at University of Phoenix Stadium. They're playing the Bears. The Bears. Uh, as hey, we know, it, preseason doesn't mean anything. But if you're going to – if if you're – you know, if you have absolutely nothing else to do tonight – and people enjoy watching preseason foot, NFL football for some reason. But the word is our boy Scooby Wright, the Arizona Wildcat, is going to be getting some significant playing time uh, tonight against the Bears. So, uh, you know, again, apologies to uh, to our ASU uh, listeners, but if uh, you know if you're a Wildcat fan, it could be fun to watch the Cardinals Bears tonight and see how Scooby does because that's that, it's always those subplot lines that are interesting in the preseason. You know, watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Hard Knocks on HBO, and it's, you know the drama is is around. 
you know, is the kicker going to be kept or, you know, is this guy going to make the team? And th- and that's really, yep. I, 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 those are more compelling stories because these are guys who are going to, you know, have to go back and get jobs like, you know, you and me, <laughs> if they don't, if they don't make the roster. So, um, yep. so yeah, with, with, uh, big shout out to Scooby. Love to watch him and see him do well. I got to talk to him quite a bit when I was at uh, KOLD channel 13, um, when he was at the U of A and just a really great kid and, you know, the kind of person you want to see do well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, the Cardinals, maybe it's because they played that hall of fame preseason game, but they've had five, they have five preseason games. Uh, and we're, you know, we're only halfway through tonight and then they have two more and both of those are on the road. So it's kind of like an exhausting preseason. I hope that uh, Arians is just playing playing the depth chart and uh, continuing to rest, guys, because this is going to be a long season. They're into game three of the preseason right now. You know, you, well, and I was, you know, totally into what we were talking about, but you got my interest peaked with this wild card question. And I did look it up, and it and appears you're right. And I guess this has been in place since 2012. So, you know, shame <laughs> on us for uh, <laughs> for talking about something. So you're right. A fifth team was added in the form of a second wild card squad. So um, I guess, hey, I'm I'm learning as much here as anyone else. But uh, I guess that scenario means that potentially Colorado and uh, and Arizona would play for. Uh, for the right to lose to uh to the Dodgers. Exactly. Yeah. And uh as as our our listeners know, I mean, I'm sure we only have a handful of them, but um, you know, Sean and I do this as an experiment and uh we're not professional sports writers or columnists <laughs> or uh, broadcasters. So you get to learn stuff as we learn it live while we're talking. We don't even edit our podcast. We literally hit record <laughs> And we just start talking, and we don't even edit out the stuff. So you're getting the raw feed from us. Uh, all right, let's switch over. Speaking of raw, a raw experimental team, let's talk about the poor Phoenix Suns. So here's what's poor happening. Poor There's going to be no Kyrie trade, apparently. Although, poor, I mean, Kyrie, he knows nobody wants him there, and everyone knows he doesn't want to be there, and yet he's still there. So that's going to be fun. Uh, looks like we keep Bledsoe. Uh, the schedule's out. Looks like a lot of early road games. Uh, I'm very excited about Josh Jackson and what he can bring as a defender and, and as a young talent that will get a lot of minutes and learn over the course of the season. But uh, some of the scuttlebutt is, okay, now that Marvin Bagley declared as a 28 or a 2018 for college, he'll play one season People are already saying, okay, when do the Suns start tanking to get Bagley <laughs> or, uh, in the next draft? And I'm like, is this what it's come to? Is this Sarver life that all you're looking for is the next draft? And once the season starts, the excitement fair drops down? I, I think a cottage industry needs to begin around the Phoenix Suns, which is getting you know the, the Phoenix Suns sports writers or even maybe it starts with the Phoenix Suns sports writers, but then – the national media to um, start talking about the scenario that's going to bring LeBron James to Phoenix, the way that the national media has been talking about the Lakers 
in getting LeBron to the Lakers. Because you mentioned Kyrie Irving, and they're already talking about the fact that, okay, you know, LeBron's last season in Cleveland is going to be this upcoming season. So if the Cavaliers are smart, they're going to talk to Kyrie and say, hey, we'll build a franchise around you because, you know, LeBron's not going to be here. But um, I think the Lakers are – are in a similar situation to the to the Suns where, you know, you've just had all of these really unsatisfactory seasons. You know, the team's been struggling. And I I think this, this hype around, you know, LeBron's going to the Lakers, the, the Suns need to get in on that action and start getting some rumors going about, okay, who, who are they going to pick up who's going to entice LeBron over to Phoenix? Because that seems to be the only conversation – that has any off-season traction. Yeah, so that is a legitimate thing that's starting to bubble up. So here, here's how that plays out. <laughs> and you're like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no. Yeah, I'm like, like are you kidding me? <laughs> like, this is, already, this is already rolling. So um, so Rich Paul, he's uh, – Eric Bledsoe is a client. LeBron is also represented by Rich Paul. Okay. Those two, those two have been working out together in Vegas. It sounds like the Suns <laughs> aren't shipping Bledsoe. Okay. Yeah. And Jones is now a VP for the Suns. Uh-huh. And James Jones, you know, he he's buddies, good friend, former teammate with LeBron. So there is scuttlebutt out there already that the Sun, if not the Lakers that the Suns is actually the next best stop for LeBron. Because if you think about that, you put LeBron there, LeBron loves Eric Bledsoe, then who do you have next to LeBron? You have Devin Booker and you have Josh Jackson. You have Marquise Chris coming off the bench. That is a young core of ballers. That could be interesting. I, I, I think that is a wonderful – I, I think I think I encourage it. I think it's going to give uh, Suns fans something to hope for and a reason to keep paying attention. It's definitely a reach, and I'm incredibly impressed that you know the ins and outs on that on that side of things. But um, I think that's a real reach. No, James Jones <laughs> is going to be the Suns' VP of operations, right? Right, right. Ron and Bledsoe love each other. They're even practicing together in Vegas. I think yeah. it's legit. We need to give hey. LeBron an alternative. Well, I mean, LeBron always writes his own story or likes to appear that he does. Going to the Lakers, that's trash. That's just like expected. That's just like what everybody thinks he would do, right? Right. Coming to Phoenix is blazing your, blazing your own trail with your own squad and and working what would be one of the greatest sports miracles of all time, bringing water to the desert, bringing a ch- if you can bring a championship to Cleveland, and you can bring a championship to Phoenix, I mean you are the greatest of all time. You go to the Lakers yeah. and you're just another jersey hanging up there with a bunch of other players. You you're not special. You come to the Suns and bring a championship, that's different. Yeah, but to your point, you know you look at. It, if you've brought a championship to Cleveland, you know what what's in it really to you to to go to a place like Phoenix that's not going to have the cachet. I think if or when 
he makes his move, it's going to be just about his legacy building and, you know, the opportunity to be part of a brand like the Lakers and, you know, be there with magic and just kind of, you know, get to, get to be a part of that revitalization is probably going to be more enticing, but Hey, you know, maybe, maybe Charles Barkley can get in his ear and, you know, talk up like how much fun he had golfing in, in Phoenix. And I I don't know, is is LeBron a golfer? Uh, That might be a, a hook. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to send out a scout to find out that info. So we're uh, we're coming up on our hour, and uh, just wanted to know if you had any parting shots, final thoughts, words of wisdom for the coming week in Arizona sports. Um, no, I think it's just, uh, you know, if you think about the fact that uh, – you know, it is a university environment. So right now, everybody, you know, including the student athletes, are are just kind of getting settled in their, you know, in their in their dorms and their setup and getting ready for classes and whatnot. I think, uh, you know, we keep our powder dry for the most part and just looking forward to, uh, you know, to that kickoff against NAU. Yep, I was thinking the same thing. Our next podcast, uh, we'll be doing a deep dive into college football. Uh, we'll be touching on ASU. We'll be touching on U of A. And because U of A is playing NAU, playing the Lumberjacks on Saturday, September 2nd, uh, late kick at 8 p.m., uh, we will be touching on the Lumberjacks as well. So next podcast, look for a uh, Arizona college football preview and kickoff. And I promise, so to know, I promise to know some ASU football players' names by the time we have that conversation. Yes, and I promise – that I will know what year in school they are next year <laughs> as well. So we'll do our duty and be ready for Sun Devil football. So uh, here we are. It's Desert League. If you'd like to subscribe, check out iTunes, search Desert League, or download the Anchor app and search Desert League. You can hit us on the web by hitting anchor.com slash desert-league. Uh, For the Desert League, I'm Ward Andrews and Sean Fitzpatrick joining me. Have a great week. Yeah, Desert League South out.